You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. One on, nobody out. The 2-0 pitch. Here's a swing, a long fly ball in the left field. This is going to leave the park. This is the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron. That ball's hit deep to left. This one's going to be out of here. Get up, baby. Get up. Mike Claiborne and Kevin Wheeler and the Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. Welcome into the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron here on the Cardinals Radio Network. Mike Claiborne, Kevin Wheeler with you here. And Claibs, I'm feeling a little uh, I feel a little literary today because the last couple of days we've had the tale of two cities. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Although I don't know which one would be best or worst, right? The pitching and the pace of the game yesterday was better but it was a nothing nothing tie in seven innings today we had the offense 14 to 9 and it was a win but it took like 72 hours and the pitching wasn't particularly good actually the only couple of guys struggled the rest of the pitchers were okay i'll take pitching and pace (laughs) Um, i'll take that any day of the week because you can score a lot of runs and let's face it it, this this and it's early it's early in the spring this was a terrible game I mean, uh, the the pitching wasn't what it needed to be. And, and granted, there were some guys out there today, Kevin, that we're not going to see in the That's big right. leagues this year. Right. Uh, there were some mistakes made by the Mets where we're not going to see those guys playing in the big leagues this year. Right. So once you move on beyond that, you ask yourself the question, when is the umpire going to get in the shape? Because <laughs> they've been struggling too. It's early and, spring and, you for know, them I, too, right? I, yeah, and I get it. I I understand it, but uh, it, it was it was one that would just make you stick a fork in your eye. I mean, you'd rather get hit. Yeah, you know, I mean, the, I'd rather eat a rosin bag than to have to sit through another one of them. <laughs> it was just tough. <laughs> and, and 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 again, I I will say this also: as we go on, the play will get better. Of course, yeah. And and but but I think if you're a fan and you want to make sure, well, how are the guys that are going to be playing every day doing? Well, Arnado had another big hit today. Uh, that was important. Tommy Edmond led off with a base hit, or a double rather. So the guys who you're counting on seeing every day, they are finding their way to get their rhythm going. And, and that's really what counts. Now, KK struggled a little bit. He did, yeah. Uh, he just didn't have his control. And, you know, he, he threw a few hangers today that he was lucky stayed in the ballpark. Yeah, especially uh, with the wind But, you know, that happens. Yeah, exactly. So – with, with that said, I think every guy in, in spring training has what we saw KK happen to him. I think everybody has it happen at least once. Yeah, absolutely. Some guys have yeah. it happen early. You might have a guy that have a hiccup late in the spring where they just they figure him out. So he got his lumps out of the way, and I, I think he'll be better for it. But, uh, yeah, it was it was – it was a tough. Did you did you have a time on the game? I, I oh it was my same time. ran out. I mean, the game yeah, the, on, just... on MLB.com they say it was three and a half hours, and and part of that was because it, they did have like a fifteen minute delay at the beginning of the game. Right, there was rain right mm-hmm. before the game. Yeah, we so had a little rain. Got started a little late, so it says three and a half hours. But 
I think with the rain delay and all that, I mean, it's getting up near four, which is long for a spring training game. And it, it, it got up to four, but it felt like eight. <laughs> well, you're it right. It was like... and it was ugly, right? There were errors. It wasn't. Yeah, it it was wasn't a well played exactly. game. A lot of deep counts. There were, uh, mm-hmm. I think, thirteen walks in the game combined between the two 13, teams. Thirteen. You are yeah. correct. And so it was. Yeah. So, but the, look at it this way: the worst is behind us. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of good things we can talk about with regard to this team. Yeah. Uh, and its direction. Although I will say this, um, and, and, and again, it's early. We're not as deep as we I think we need to be in certain areas. Uh, and, and obviously we need to wait and see what the middle infield situation is going to look like. Uh, Matt Carpenter will be your backup second baseman in, in some cases. Um, the outfield, I still think, is out as far as the jury is concerned. So there are some areas that you're going to need some punch, and I think you're going to need some punch off the bench. I was looking at the free agent market today on who's still out there as far as outfielders are concerned, and, and nobody really jumped out at me that I thought could immediately yeah. come in and give you more than what you already have. Uh, the one guy who he was in Texas, and his name escapes me. He's a left-handed bat outfielder. Um, and it, well, it hit me here as soon as the show is over. Danny Santana? No, 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 no. No, Danny uh, say was, no this he's a left-handed hitter, outfielder. And they had high promise, high promise on him, but it, it just didn't work. He was in Houston, bounced around just a hair. But mm. my point being, when you look at the roster, and Mo kind of alluded to it today, that they're gonna kind of look at everybody in their camp before they start looking to make some sort of move. And and I'm not overly concerned about how you break camp. Uh I, I've kind of drank the mo kool-aid about you know it's what you do well you know my day is flag day that's when i start keeping yeah, yeah. paying real attention as far as what you're going to need and then you work between flag day and the middle of july to get that player and then you go from there and i think we've got we've got time to get things squared away yeah this is something i was talking about earlier this week too claves and i know we might have touched on it uh the other night when we were talking together um but you know the the, the evaluation process in spring is is more about finding the obvious, right? Like if somebody looks mm-hmm. overmatched, all right, well, all right, they're yeah. going back down. If somebody really has, like they're hitting everything hard, all right. But the stats aren't going to tell us anything uh, for the most part. Maybe later in the spring when you're facing more major league on major league, you might be able to tell a little bit more. But the truth is some of these guys have already had big springs in the past, right? And, it, and, mm-hmm. and you've got to, it, what it's going to be about is how it translates when the season starts. I think that's kind of the – the spot that we're in right now is that most of the evaluations, not all, but most of the evaluations when it comes to, especially how the outfield sorts out is going to be about what happens when the real games start on April 1st. Yeah. And you know, the, the pitching changes also, you know, you know, there was a time when you come to spring training and Hey, we just want you to throw fastballs, learn how to control that and do this and that, you know, but after that, you got guys that throw change-ups, they throw sliders, they got the cutter, uh, they've got another three pitches they can go get over for strikes, and all of a sudden you've been used to seeing dead red, and all of a sudden they're throwing wrinkles at you, and you have to be able to adjust. Uh, and that's why spring training, I think it has three phases. I think it's acclimation, recognition, adjustment uh, is how I think you work. And I think it happens every you know, five to maybe ten games that you, you change up things, and now we're going to be short. So – I would say every eight games, you have to look and see where you're at. Absolutely. Well, we got a lot to do here on the show. We're only a few weeks away. What do we have, Claves? We have this show tonight, and then 
I think, what, two more, more after this, and then we're into the regular yeah. season, man. So we're He's wrapping here, up. Man. Yeah, we, we're literally counting down now on the Countdown Show. we got a busy show tonight. We're going to hear from the voice of the Cardinals, Mike Shannon, here in just a little bit. Uh, Jeff Albert will be a part of the show in the second hour. Up next, we're going to hear a bit from Matt Carpenter. And I don't know if you saw uh, John Mosellock's comments on uh, MLB Network Radio, Klaibs, but he, he said the, the best-case scenario for the Cardinals is that Carpenter goes and wins the second-base job, which means Carpenter hits, right? That means he goes he hits like yeah. he used to. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out, and we're going to hear from Matt Carpenter coming up next here on the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. This is the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on KMOX. We continue on with the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron here on the Cardinals Radio Network. Mike Claiborne, Kevin Wheeler with you here. Uh, we're going to hear from Mike Shannon in just a couple of minutes. Uh, Jeff Albert will join us coming up in the next hour. Right here we're going to hear a bit from Matt Carpenter, who's in a unique spot. This is not a spot that he's normally in, you know, coming in not knowing what his role on the team is going to be. Now, earlier today on MLB Network Radio, um, the Cardinals, Cardinals president of baseball operations, John Mosellock, mentioned that, as I mentioned this in the last segment, that, you know, the best-case scenario is that Carpenter goes out and wins the job here in spring training. And obviously, Tommy Edmonds there competing, but really it's Carpenter competing against Carpenter. And if you see the guy that, that used to put up numbers, that's going to be an interesting decision. So a lot that's going into this with the second-base job and Carpenter's role, and he talked a bit about where things are here this spring so far. My sole focus when I'm out there is to just – you know, make all the routine plays. Really, when you're, def- you know, anytime you're playing defense, that's that's the first and foremost, you know, priority is just make your routine plays, get the outs when when the outs present themselves. And um, today was a good step. Um, you know, hadn't played that position in a while, felt good out there. And, um, you know, just going to hopefully get more and more comfortable as the days and weeks go on. Mark, would you say you had a pretty good nothing for two at bat today as far as hard contact was concerned? I would say that's about as good as you that's about exactly what you want to have a spring training at bat. You don't want to waste any hits down here in Jupiter. So, um, you know, I felt good about, you know, saw the ball well, took good swings, hit the ball hard. I mean, that's all you can ask for. Um, you know, as the weeks go on, certainly would like to see them fall in. But uh, you can't complain about putting a ball in a barrel, and um, especially early on in camp like this. So definitely feel good about it. How long did it take you to feel comfortable on second base again? You know, every day it gets better and better. I, I'm not going to lie, when we first were over there at the beginning of spring, you know, I was talking to um, our bench coach, um, Ollie, today about it. Uh, the actual position or the actual ground ball and, you know, turning the double play, all that stuff came back pretty quickly. I didn't feel like, um, you know, it, that was completely foreign to me. It's just as much. But the most of the, the biggest things that are still kind of a work in progress is just, kind of the mental side of playing that position, knowing where to be, you know, knowing where to be on cuts and relays, knowing the bump plays from that position, picks from second base, um, covering runners on a steal, the sh- you know, all the stuff that goes into playing um, the middle infield, watching the signs from, um, from Yachty, you know, relaying it to Goldie at first base. I mean, there's just so much that goes on to play in middle infield where, you know, at the corners, you can kind of really just play the position. You don't have to think about, a lot of other things. So there's just more that goes into it. And so today was a great day for me to be able to get out there, watch Yachty's running game signs, um, you know, relay and who's covering the bag with our shortstop. Um, those are the things that 
I think as the weeks go on, um, I'll hopefully get more and more comfortable with. What Wainwright did is a calming presence during the uncertainty of the outbreak last year, not just on the mound, but in the clubhouse. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, Adam just has a real good demeanor. Um, he's just, you know, a real solid man, solid dad, solid teammate, and just brings a real calming presence to a, uh, to a team, not just, you know, in the, in the midst of a pandemic, but just in the midst of any kind of, um, struggle, you know, I can think of the times in my own personal career where I've struggled. Adam's been a, you know, a shoulder you can lean on and, and you, you could probably say that about every guy that's in our, been in our clubhouse. I mean, he's just kind of, he's just kind of that guy that you can, you can count on and he's a, uh, you know, just a very calming presence. So, I mean, having a guy like him in your clubhouse on a tough year, like 2020 was, I think was a huge advantage for us. I don't think we could have accomplished what we did um, last year, given such a, you know, ugly situation um, without when Adam Wainwright's been healthy in a St. Louis Cardinal uniform. I mean, you pretty much know what you're going to get and you're going to get a guy go out there He's going to throw strikes. He's going to command the strike zone both in and out, and he's going to compete like nobody um, you've ever seen compete. And, um, you know, that's just who he is. You just know what you're going to get, and that's the beauty of Adam Wainer. We always uh, in the media fans say, well, why doesn't Matt go the other way? Is going the other way with all the 95-mile-an-hour, 98-mile-an-hour fastballs, is going the other way different now than it was five, six, or seven years ago? I mean, that's a great question. Um, I would have to, to say yes. I mean, um, you know, just the style of pitching now, you know, you watch a game, you watch a big league game now. I mean, every pitch is, you know, not every pitch, but most pitches are 95 and above. And most of them are trying to be located in the top of the zone. Um, guys just for whatever reason have left the bottom of the zone. They've left that, you know, sinker cutter down and away style of pitching. And they've, reverted to how hard can I throw it and how fast can I throw it at the top of the zone and try to beat you. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that there is no, you know, nobody wants to use the other side of the field. I think that you hitting, hitting the ball, the other side of the field now is a product of just having a good swing and being aggressive. And if you're a little late on a, you know, a, a fastball that um, is in the middle of the plate with a good swing, you'll drive the ball the other way. Um, when I first came up, I just basically looked for, you know, sinkers and cutters and stuff down and away. I knew that that's where they're trying to go and would slap it the other way. That that style of pitching just, just doesn't come as often. So, um, you know, it's not like I go up there and I'm just looking to straight pull the ball. Um, but a lot of the times when you end up, end up pulling a ball, it's a product of the way that they pitch and, um, you know, the way that the game, the game is now. Um, I'm not saying I love it. Uh, and, you know, it's just kind of a matter of the circumstance, but I, I do feel though, when you, when your swing is good and when you're, when you, when you are, you know, swinging the bat, like you want to, you just use the whole field without even trying. Um, some of the best stretches of my career in 2018, when I, you know, had arguably, you know, the best three month stretch of my entire career. Um, I drove the ball the other way with authority when it presented itself. Um, you know, and, and then would pull balls when, when also when it presented itself. But I don't know if I'm kind of rambling. I don't know if that answered your question, but just kind of my thoughts. Yeah, no, it, it does. And that's, I, I figured that was the case. So you, you answered it well. I appreciate it.
You know, Matt, when it comes to getting, you know, reacquainted at second base and comfortable at second base, are there, you kind of mentioned some of the bars you want to reach, but is there a certain amount, number of games or is there anything you kind of know or is it just a matter of natural getting into that comfort, feeling back, like, you know, you, like you said, the difference between the corners and the, in the middle of the infield, is there just natural feel that you kind of have to touch and go as spring goes on? Yeah, you know, I mean, you, you know, hypothetically, you'd like to, for every situation to kind of come up and, um, you know, so you can cross that box um, as far as in-game reps, um, you know, a backhand ball and a double play, you know, where two, we could cross off day one. You know, you'd obviously like to start your own double play, um, you know, at some point. I'd like to, you know, be in the right position on a bunt, um, you know, on a bunt defense, you know, catch a runner, you know, a throw down from Yanni on a stolen base, you know, be the first guy out on a cut on a cut and, and relay it to the you know right bag. All those things you, you'd like to see in game action. But if for whatever reason they don't come, you know, we work them all the time in practice beforehand um, in our team fundamentals. So I've, I'm going to get plenty of reps. It's just a matter of, um, you know, just every day going out here and just trying to get a little bit better and a little bit more comfortable. And then by the end of spring, you know, I know my confidence will be there and then hopefully you know, I'll have the confidence of our coaching staff as well, you know, that they feel comfortable putting me out there. And, you know, that's the whole goal. As long as we're both comfortable, then you can just go out and play. And again, that is Matt Carpenter. Now, I want to remind you that uh, you can gear up for this 2021 season with a subscription to Cardinals Magazine. It's your premier source for Cardinals coverage in season and out. You can sign up at cardinals.com slash magazine or call 314-345-9000. Coming up next, we're going to hear from the voice of the Cardinals. Mike Shannon joins us here on the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. It's the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron on KMOX. This is the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron here on the Cardinals Radio Network. Mike Claiborne, Kevin Wheeler with you here. And, of course, Claibs, the lucky one, he's down in Jupiter and. Earlier today, he had a chance to catch up with the voice of the Cardinals, Mike Shannon. Well, Mike Shannon, here we are for another spring training. I guess the first question I should ask you, how many spring trainings for you now, including a player? I, I haven't counted, Michael, <laughs> and I'm not interested in counting either. Well, you probably remember the days where you had one field to work on and how many players you would have there, maybe a couple of hundred, it seemed like. Now it's changed a little bit. Yeah, it has changed. I mean, the facilities are phenomenal where they have a number of fields and they can get a lot of work in. And that's the, the, really the one thing you care about at spring training is the pitchers and how much work they can get. And that's what worries me this year. I don't think our pitching's very strong to start with, and I don't know where they're going to find all the work. Well, that's been a challenge, trying to find enough quality innings. I mean, you can go out and throw, but you, you want to see some hitters. You want to be in a game environment. And we're going to see how Mike Mannix and Mike Schilt come up with a way to make that happen. Well, you mentioned a, a word that you find that I found last year. You know, we thought we had great pitching last year. I didn't think we had very good pitching. I thought we had a lot of quantity, but we didn't have any quality. And, you know, when you got a 37- or 8-year-old guy that's your lead, and that's exactly what he's done. And I, I think that Adam Wainwright realizes, you know, he it's what have you done for me lately? And he's going to go out every time he goes out there, he's going to try to shut him out like he did his first time out. You know, it's it's funny when you talk about Wainwright, and you mentioned we have a lot of pitchers. You think they learned anything last year? Because they threw some guys in the fire that probably weren't ready, so hopefully they learned from that that experience and, and maybe better prepared this year. 
Well, that's what it's all about. It's the learning experience, all right? And if they didn't learn, that's their problem, okay? Because uh, there's, there's some really great opportunities. There's some opportunities that are taken away also. You know, I don't know where they're going to get our next young players from. You know, the minor leagues are almost zero. And uh, that's been the feeder system of the, the big leagues for years and years, yeah, ever since I can remember. And I've been around for quite a few years now. You know, it seems like they're going in the direction of instruction more than playing games. You, you know, in order to be better in this game, you got to be able to play it. Uh, you can only have so many fungos hit to you and so many ground balls hit to you and so many stats put in front of you. You, you still have to go out and play this game. And you have to face that live pitching on a daily basis. If you don't, you know, you hear guys talk about it, say, well, I'm going to get a chance to play now. Well, they, only, they might get just one day to play, but – you got to have that really good day. If you get one day and you got to get two or three hits, can't just get one hit because they'll, they'll put the other guy in there again. You remember when you were in the minors or when you would go to spring training just trying to get noticed by somebody, especially with so many people there? Well, I was lucky because I was a bonus baby, and they they pay attention to bonus babies. It's just like the number one draft or number two draft. You're a high draft choice. They're going to pay attention to you because that's that's the name of the game, okay? You got talent, and the reason you were a high draft choice because you had talent, and you need talent in this business. After that, then it's just guys, you go from there. Yeah, because those other guys who weren't drafted high, those free agents, and those guys who are just trying to make the ball club, they they have to come out swing, and they can't leave anything at the hotel, can they? Not at all. If they do, they'll just be back at the hotel. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, what are you going to look for this year in spring training? I mean, it's a shorter one. We talked a little bit about pitching. Is there a player in particular you're looking forward to seeing if they've grown or not? Well, you know, our right fielder, we're going to see him. He's getting, they just handed him the job, you know. So he's going to see if he can handle it or not. You know, so we'll watch him. And then after that, it's just the pitching. You know? I'm, I'm very concerned about our pitching. I don't think that our pitching is that strong. And I'd like to see him go out and get a first-line pitcher. Well, that's something I think we'll see as spring training goes. One of the things we learned about John Mozeliak, he doesn't get overly excited about spring training because he knows there are going to be other opportunities to make this ball club better. He'll give everybody a chance to sink or swim while they're here in Florida. Well, he's, he's shown in the past that, listen, he'll give the youngsters a chance. But after that, you know, look what he's done in the last few seasons. You know, to sign the first baseman and now the third baseman, Arenado. I'm telling you. Those are two great players, okay? And to come up with signings like that, that just doesn't happen overnight, okay? So he's been working on these kind of things for a long, long time. And I take my hat off to him. By the way, 1957 was your first spring training. So go back that long, 63 years, so you've seen a lot. And uh, it's changed a lot, but it's always fun to have a visit with you, sir. Enjoy this spring. Thank you, sir. And there you have it, Mike Shannon with Mike Claiborne down in Jupiter. I want to ask you a question. Are you getting married in 2021? Uh, If you are, Bush Stadium is the perfect venue for baseball-loving couples, and dates are still available. So from receptions and ceremonies to portrait sessions, Cardinal special events can help you bring a little baseball into your big day. You can check them out and find more at cardinals.com. All right, stick around. Coming up next, a really interesting conversation. We're going to be joined by Cardinals Director of Performance. That's Dr. Robert Butler. Next up, it's the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron here on the Cardinals Radio Network. Is the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on KMOX. 
All right, we continue on with the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron here on the Cardinals Radio Network. Mike Claiborne, Kevin Wheeler with you here. And now just uh, what, now three and a half weeks away from opening day, a lot of work getting done down in Jupiter. And, you know, we're going all, all over the place during the show tonight. We'll be talking about some offense. We'll be talking a bit about how the pitching staff is starting to line up as we get closer to opening day. But right here we want to talk a little bit more about the larger picture and how we get to all of that. And we're happy to have Dr. Robert Butler with us. He is the Cardinals Director of Performance. Dr. Butler, first of all, thank you for doing this. We appreciate it. Secondly, I hope everything's going well down in Jupiter. And your, from your perspective, obviously, that's a large title, Director of Performance. Does that put you on the hook for everything that happens down there? No, thank goodness. <laughs> the great front office and leadership that we have down here that lets, uh, lets me target in a little bit more and uh, – you know, I think the exciting thing for everyone is we're playing baseball, right? And so Absolutely. playing baseball, guys are in the backfields getting ready, staff's doing their what they do, working hard, and uh, and it's still going on. We're still continuing on with a, with a really exciting uh, season ahead of us. So uh, things are going very well. Dr. Butler, um, you have been kind of at the head of the class when it came to trying to learn about sleeping and, and sleep studies and nutrition and rest and all those sort of things. Now we have this thing called COVID, and, and I'm wondering, is this the ultimate treasure trove of gathering information from these athletes and, and how they dealt with it and what the side effects could be down the road? Yeah, I mean, that's a, you know, that's a good question. I mean, talk about learning on the fly related to a medical diagnosis. Um, and, you know, we, we've got an exceptional medical group here, uh, Director of Medical Operations, Adam Olson, Brian Mahaffey. George Paletta, and it's it's you know the exciting thing about I shouldn't say exciting, but it's almost forced excitement is there's a lot of communication and learning because the information is coming so fast, and it's coming from all over the place, and um, and there isn't an answer. There's not a silver bullet. Yes, CDC guidelines: wear a mask, wash your hands, physical distance, but we're still kind of figuring out how do we best support the organization, staff, the players. For those that have been diagnosed, that have gone through it, gone through it at different levels, how do they return, how do they return safely, and what does that look like long-term related to health, wellness, performance at the highest level possible? And I think it's still learning. And I think that the the, the exciting part is the discussions that took place, you know, th this offseason, it was busy with a lot of what-ifs and what-ifs. And you know, the one thing Mo kept charging us with is just be ready. Be ready for all the different options that could happen. And certainly there's a good chance that the option you think may work isn't going to happen. So be ready for what else is there. And, <laughs> and that's all right. But those discussions led us to think more about what our process looks like. How do we make decisions? How do we support everyone to make sure that it would lead to um, what will be certainly an exciting season? I know early on so far in the spring, yes, in Jupiter, but of course in other places as well, it seems like, everybody's handled this element reasonably well. And again, it's early, so I hate, I hate to put anything out there too early. You got another month or so before we get to opening day. And then, of course, you got six months to get through following that with the regular season. But it does seem to be tracking towards getting to be, I don't know, I should say this with air quotes, more normal moving forward. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. And I, I hope that's real wood behind you because I knocked on that a little bit. Um, <laughs> But, you know, as I say around here, we, we probably work a little bit too hard to rely on knocking on wood. But um, I, I would suggest that's fair. But I would also suggest that that's really, you know, there are guidelines that are out there, guidelines that, that were placed in the hands of the staff, the players, and everyone and, and their families. And, and it's been a responsibility that all of them taken very seriously, very supportively, very intentionally. Um, and it's been some top-down learning to 
figure out what this looks like. And what does this look like after the big peak we had over the holidays coming back into this? Um, you know, we've had, we've had great networking, connecting with uh, uh, Chris Conroy, who's our uh, assistant athletic trainer. He put me onto an article with the Seahawks and how they set up their process. So I reached out to some colleagues there. And once again, more and more discussions. How do we do this? How is it set up? What did it look like out in Seattle? What did it look like um, for training camps? And, and how do we make adjustments on the fly? How do they have zero COVID cases? And, and really manage that. And so, and that wasn't the only scenario. We had some great networking around the way and everyone's got different ways. Some were in the bubble, some were What do you learn from that? Um, but it's really been, you know, hats off to all the individuals that have been part of the organization that have just taken it very seriously and, and been proactive about how do, we, how do we put the focus back on playing baseball, but create a safe and healthy environment to make sure that we do everything possible to ensure that we get to that opening day. And so it's really been exceptional work and intentional. Uh, you know, what, one of the things that as I look at how you do things on the big league level, let's move to another level as far as the youth. And I know you're involved with a lot of youth activities in this part of the uh, county. Um, what do you say to parents at this point where their kids have been rather dormant because of COVID and they haven't been able to yeah. do as many things as they probably have been accustomed to doing? What do you say to them in when it, when they do get started and making sure that they're doing it at the right pace? Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair, right? Like you know, hopping out of um, whether you're in quarantine or isolation or whatever it may be, and then hopping back to play a showcase over a weekend just probably isn't the best option. Um, but I think one thing that's happened in our neighborhoods and our community is even during these downtimes is let's get back to play, right? What's stickball look like? What's street football look like? Right? How do we how do we you know how do we how do we get to play, putting some sticks down and some goals in the yard and you know doing the Wayne's World game on game off business and and um, you know got to educate a whole generation on what Wayne's World is but that's a whole different discussion because um, um, not on the TikTok as people tell me um, but uh, it's, but it's just really saying you're to, getting old that's all you're just that's right old. no no it's, it's, that's why I started shaving my hair this way so no one noticed how old but. Uh, you know, the bonus is I got a six-year-old barber, so that's, he doesn't charge too much, so that's all right. But I, I think that the fun part is of all this is let's get back to play. Let's get back to enjoyment. Let's get back to excitement and realize that just as we went into this, how do we come out of it? We got to be smart about it. And, you know, it's about, you know, it's about little things like expanding roster, providing more playing time, structuring things out, you know, planning things out more talking to your kids about, hey, listen, you may not play as much in a game because you may not be ready. And we got to spread things out from a cardiovascular, from a general fitness standpoint. Um, because as you know, we talk, Mike, a lot of these things, when when we run out of those gates too fast, no matter how old you are, if you're not prepared, you're just looking for a six to eight to 10 week, you hope at a minimum setback due to a muscle strain or something else like that. And it could lead to something more significant, ACL tear, UCL, whatever it may be. And you just certainly hope the kids have the opportunity to enjoy the game that they love so much they want to participate in so much and excel at and have fun with that eventually they can be parents with their own youth programs inspiring those individuals to really enjoy the game for the exercise wellness other components that leads to that are so important to the community i guess it's also a good way to look at this doc is just that we all all of us that have, that are parents or that work in youth sports and coach in youth sports can absolutely learn lessons from watching how the pros do it Right. I mean, we, we see how, you know, the Cardinals, for example, handle a guy coming off of an injury or a guy who was hurt a year ago and is now slowly working his way back or maybe has a history of injuries and how you're handling all of that. 
And, you know, sometimes those lessons don't connect, right? We think, okay, that's the major leagues. But the reality is if it's true for grown men that are elite athletes, it's probably even more true for everybody else. Yeah, I think that's fair. And, and, and it's, you know, it's not, it's not surprising that the little things done well consistently lead to a lot of success, right? And so, um, you know, when, when you look at what leads to champions, athletes, elite players, um, there aren't a whole lot of un, uncovered stones. Right? They know what's underneath them, and they know what their successes are and what their abilities are, but they're also consistent and persistent with their abilities to make sure that they take care of those things. Um, and I think too often, um, I shouldn't say, we're still trying to go fast in the United States. There's no doubt about it. And it's across the world now, honestly. People are trying to get back to normal as fast as possible. And, and Kali, wouldn't that be an awesome thing, right? But the worst thing about going back too fast is shutting down too soon. And so how do you create good sustained growth and it's likely not going to happen just by you wanting it or willing it by rather doing the simple things consistently to allow for that to happen and you know um people don't run marathons tomorrow they run them in months from now right we start a plan and i think too often we're trying to run those marathons tomorrow because we ran one six months ago and not realizing the amount of work it's got to take and, and while it's humbling it's important to have that realization and that self-reflection to know how far you have to go to prepare for the things you want to accomplish, be it in sports or in life or whatever. Yeah, I, and I think that's interesting to note. Now, we're trying to bring this to light here now, and I know instinctively people know these things, bigger picture when you look at professional baseball, but what people don't see is the mountain of work during the down, quote unquote, downtime that leads to where we are now in spring training, right? I mean, there is a literal, it's an iceberg in the ocean, right? There's 70% of it is underwater. That's the work that all of these players are doing on their own before they even get to Jupiter. Yeah, no, there's been a great job of the staff of reaching out this off season from the strength and conditioning component. And then we've really had a lot of growth with, um, on the skill side, you know, Mike Schultz really um, directed just a more inclusive holistic approach to how do we best support the players in their development. And so it's led to a lot of great offseason interaction between Jeff Albert and our performance specialists at St. Louis, Jason Shot, who've just been figuring out how do we how do we move things in a way that lets things happen more efficiently or together. And that's the same way, honestly, on the um on the strength and conditioning side. Mm -hmm. And so where do we start someone who has been, maybe haven't had the equipment that they would have had either on the major league side or even minor league side during this all season or what the resources are. So a lot of it starts with, you know, we, you know, you write the program, but the, the program only works if it actually happens, right? I still remember uh, <laughs> this, this off season, I was pretty proud of myself um, because I was consistently getting on the bike and I was, and I was in a good rhythm. And I'm about halfway through it. And my wife says, you know, what you really need to reach your goals is a, is a strengthening program and, uh, and i took offense to that because i think i didn't know a little bit about that and she's a school psychologist and she knows more about other things that are she's more trained on and i said i said i said i love you but i just want to be consistent right now before i worry about really getting elite um so anyway so it, and it's just you know in unless you have something that people can attain and can attain consistently what it is you got to meet them where they're at not expect them to get to where you want be and once again marathon mentality how do we get there we've got a great strength conditioning coach and um lance thomason we've got a great assistant um director of performance thomas nasi kind of ties all the pieces we get maybe some from other information we're getting related to sleep patterns hrv whatever 
help inform everyone where people are at and where they can get to um, in a proper way that leads to health, wellness, and then eventually guide them into elite performance, get into spring training on point for where they need to be, as well as just knowing where they're at when they come to us in spring training. People just come from different, some people play winter ball, some um, had got married. You know, there's all different things. And the worst thing is just assuming everyone's the exact same. You know, that's one thing that I know Skipper is really intentional about is to figure out where the individual is and let's get them from there to where they need to be in the proper way as opposed to just assuming everyone's come in on a, on a level playing field because that's not understanding the individuality that is these indiv that is the player life and you need to understand and appreciate that to figure out how to do this. Fascinating stuff. Doctor, we really appreciate you joining us here on the show today. Thank you for doing this. Continued success, by the way, on the bike. And continued good luck with getting things going towards opening day. Hopefully we get a chance to talk again soon. Thanks so much for your time, everyone. Be well. And again, that was Dr. Robert Butler, the Cardinals Director of Performance, joining us here on The Countdown. The Cardinals Kids Club, presented by Rawlings, is the exclusive fan club for kids 13 and under. And, of course, membership includes access to exclusive virtual events and items, including a fleece blanket and a wall sign. It's all for just $33. You can join at cardinals.com slash kidsclub. Stick around. Coming up next, we're going to give away a 2021 Cardinals calendar. It is the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. One on, nobody out. The 2-0 pitch. Here you swing a long fly ball in the left field. This is going to leave the park. This is the Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron. That ball's hit deep to left. This one's going to be out of here. Get up, man. Kevin Weaver and the Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. All right, moving into the second hour here on the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. Mike Claiborne, Kevin Wheeler with you here. And Klaibs, uh, you know, there's so much that we can we can start with here early in the spring, right? I mean, we're finally seeing some on-field action, so we're going to learn a little bit more as the weeks go by. What, I, what I'm really interested to see, Klaibs, in addition to how the outfield plays out, and maybe like we've talked about a number of times, how the last couple of spots on the bench look. Who, you know, is there a left-handed bat there? Who's the utility infielder? All of that. A lot to, that we can answer there. On the pitching side, I think we're just kind of at the point where we're going to see who's healthy, right? I mean, you know, Miles Michaelis yeah. was supposed to to work in a sim game earlier this week, and that got pushed back a little bit. Uh, Kwon Young Kim, who's been behind in camp, and not because of an injury, just because of scheduling and timing. Um, said his delivery was a little off today. He mentioned that he felt like his velocity was low and he was going to try to figure out why that was. I, and, and, you know, we always have to worry about this with Carlos, who we're going to see tomorrow night, by the way. Uh, I think that's kind of, you know, one of the other things we need to find out or what we're going to be paying attention to is just just how many of those guys look the way that you expect. I mean, Wayno already looked great. He had two strong innings yesterday. Um, Jack Flaherty struggled and was not happy with his outing earlier in the week. But I, I think, you know, we know who most of the rotation will be or who most of the guys are going to be. Just don't know exactly what they all look like yet. No, you're, you're right. And I, and I think what KK talked about velocity and, and you watched him pitch like everyone else did last year, his mechanics have to be spot on. And if his mechanics are off, I think his velocity is off because he utilizes every muscle in his body in order to get the maximum result. And once he wavers from that, it, it really creates a, a spiral effect of everything else starting to fall apart. Um, Carlos is the X factor. Let, let's just be clear yeah. on that. Yeah. You know, he's the X factor because he's been accustomed to being a starter. 
Uh, he's got to go out and give them two solid, if not three good innings and, and build on that and, and just keep him focused on that role. I, I personally would like to see John Gant get a start. I mean, I've seen him come in out of the bullpen. I, I want to see him start a game and face good hitters. Um, one of the things that with these games, you really only see five, six innings where the good players face the good players. And that's why if you ever put a clock on the sixth inning on, the game is slowed down to an incredibly slow pace because of the lack of control um, and, the, and the defense and everything else because those are players that are trying to get, get noticed. They're getting noticed, all right, but for the wrong thing in some cases. But I think Carlos is an X factor. I, again, I'd like to see John Gant get a start and just see what he can do and I think it sends a message to him also. Hey, look, we believe in you as a starter. You want to be one? All right, here's your shot to prepare like one. Go out and give us two, three innings, and let's see what happens. Yeah, I think a lot of it is, you know, like what what does Carlos do, right? I mean, you know, Carlos had a had a productive winter. I mean, I, I didn't see anything but highlights from it, but mm-hmm. Yachty raved about how he was pitching in the Caribbean series. His team won the Caribbean series, and – he was a big part of of pitching in the stretch in their stretch run and in the championship game, so he's probably ahead of other people. I'm you know I don't know if that's going to tell us what we're going to see from him tomorrow, but I mean he he's he's a little bit ahead of other guys just because of how competitive mm-hmm. he was in the off season, and that's fascinating, Claves, because guys that get paid what he does, who have you know the the major league service time that he does, don't often have a lot to prove in camp, but he clearly is coming in. Not only, you know, with all of us knowing he's got something to prove, but he pretty clearly knows it too, which is why he did what he did in the in the winter. <clears throat> no, I agree with you. And, and but here's the one thing that if there is a concern, uh he's had that shoulder issue mm-hmm. where he, he had some fatigue in it and you wonder did he shoot too many bullets down in, in the DR? Uh, I'm sure he was on a, somewhat of a monitored pitch pitch count of some sort. But you hope that he doesn't peak too early. But in his case, we start from ground zero. So you just go out and do what you do on a normal schedule that you would have in spring training. But, man, you know, and how many times we have to say that he may be as good as anybody in this, on the staff. So uh, <laughs> all eyes will be on Mr. Martinez tomorrow night for sure. I mean, the stuff is there. You know, nobody questions velocity, oh. movement. You know, I mean, he's got as good a repertoire as anybody out there, but it's the command and the health. Like, if you can't pitch regularly and, yeah. you know, you, you're you behind in counts and you're and you're getting yourself into trouble, I mean, that's that's the hard part. And it sounds simple. I mean, those are actually the harder things, right? I mean, stuff is partly what you naturally have. Uh, and, you know, the ability to command it and the ability to stay healthy is, is a little bit different skill set. Yeah, and, you know, the other thing with him, his mechanics can get a little sloppy. Yep. I mean – there's some occasions where he is how you teach out people how to pitch. And then the next thing, you know, he looks like Louis Tion, where he's got about four or five different deliveries. And sometimes he'll get under the ball. And when he does that, it gets flat and, and it starts to get hit hard. Uh, so that's the thing. When, and when we talk about focus, that's what I talk about is making sure the repetition with your mechanics is consistent. And, and and focusing in on making sure the hand placement and don't get under the ball or don't get on the side of it where it starts to sail on you, uh, you know, you have good enough control. And, we, and we're still talking about a guy who's a converted shortstop. So he's got the big arm to start with. 
But it's still, I think, for pitchers, guys who didn't do it on a regular basis and they till he got to pro ball, uh, they still have sometimes resort back to what they used to do as kids in at another position. So um let's just let's just see what happens. And it's gonna take more than one outing. Absolutely. Let, let's be clear yeah. on that too. You know, whatever we see tomorrow, if he goes out and, and goes three innings on twelve pitches, um, you know, we, we still can't uh, we still can't say that uh, you know he's ready to go. I, I think we need to see him see how he pitches out of trouble if he gets into any, and just see how he's able to put guys away. You know, one of the things that we see so much today, and why pitch counts are, are sky high for some pitchers. A, they want to go after the strikeout all the time, so they go 3-2 on everybody. And B, when they get ahead in the count, they get a 1-2 count, all of a sudden they run to 3-2. and two. Go finish a guy. Go after him. Don't, don't sit there and toy with him and say, oh, I'm going to make him look bad on this next pitch. No, go after him with your good stuff. And for every guy you put away like that might be the reason why you stay an extra batter or two longer in a game. All right, Claves, this next question is not for you. This is for our listeners. Are you getting married in 2021? Bush Stadium is the perfect venue for baseball-loving couples <laughs> and dates, uh, and there are dates still available. So you can do things from receptions and ceremonies to portrait sessions, you name it. Cardinal special events can help bring a little baseball into your big day. And again, Claves, that's not for you. That's for Well, you never know. You know, 21, <laughs> can, 21 can bring some very interesting things, and, and you know, you, you just never know. I was just saying – if my girlfriend hears this, this and, and and you saying it to me, oh, maybe things start to grow here okay. a little bit. But you know what? I'm glad you gave me the number, just in case. <laughs> you can find. I, it. I'm yes. glad I can go to the website and, and and just in case the subject comes up at the dinner table, I'm prepared. You can check it out at Cardinal Special Events at Cardinals.com. All right, stick around. We're going to hear a little bit from Cardinals shortstop Paul DeYoung. When we come back, it's the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron here on the Cardinals Radio Network. This is the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on KMOX. It's the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron here on the Cardinals Radio Network. Mike Claiborne, Kevin Wheeler with you here. And obviously breaking things down as we get closer and closer to opening day. Now, one of the guys that doesn't have to win a job, doesn't have to prove a whole heck of a lot here in the spring, but certainly is a guy that the Cardinals are counting on pretty heavily is shortstop Paul DeYoung. And he talked about a number of things here uh, in the spring so far. I mean, he's got, you know, an interesting new infield partner to his right. (laughs) Obviously, they're a team that expects a lot of things, and Paul DeYoung has had a lot of interesting things to say down in Jupiter. You know, I want to be out there every day. I feel better when I play. So, you know, I'll be uh, mindful of my preparation before the game. Um, You know, if there's a day I'm a little more tired, then I won't take BP and ground balls, but I'll, you know, put all my energy into the game. So, Shilty and I have a good relationship. We'll talk about things when when they come up. But, you know, otherwise I plan on being in there every day just to try to help our team win. I'd like to see my average higher running as a scoring position higher just – Getting hits matters in those situations, extending rallies. Um, you know, batting average, they say, isn't important, but I think it is. So, you know, just getting hits is going to be big. I want to take that Miggy or, you know, Albert Pujols approach with guys on base and, and scoring position where they hit a lot of singles and just, you know, working counts, those types of things, not trying to do too much. I mean, Marcelo Zuna was great at that. Um, so those types of things, just learning from those guys moving forward throughout my career. I've, I've seen what they do with guys in scoring position, and so – you know, I mean, I know I've said it over the last three years, but, you know, it's going to be continue to be one of my focuses moving forward, just 
to be able to produce for this team in the middle of the order and, and get on base. I, I think just getting out less will, will help us continue on our rallies and you know, rally killers can really um, take our momentum away. So I really just want to be able to pass the baton this year on our offense and let you know, everyone be the hero and not relying on a certain guy to do the heavy lifting. You know, working with Nolan and Goldie and, and Tommy Edmond now over there, we're going to try to platoon as much as we can. I'm not sure what Schultz's plan is for getting to know each other, uh, playing together. I know sometimes he would put middle guys together and then alternate with corner guys together. So, you know, w whatever the situation is, I just want to be able to slow it down and just really enjoy the game this year. and. Uh, you know, not be worried about necessarily the results or that final statistic. I want to be just enjoying the process and every little moment of the game, um, you know, the in-between pitches stuff, the talking to pitchers in the dugout, uh, learning the game better, learning our teammates better. I think, you know, falling in love with the process, I think, is going to really help us this year. You know, going through what we went through last year, I'll be prepared for it if it happens again this year. And so, you know, just taking uh, everything that we went through last year and learning from it is the biggest thing. And also being able to release it, you know, it's it's easy to, to say, oh, yeah, we were tired last year against the Padres. Well, we still had chances to win. And so, and it's not necessarily about, you know, what happened. It's more about what we're doing right now. And so I think uh, really just moving forward, we're just going to love being out there as a group playing with the birds on the bat. And again, that is Cardinals shortstop Paul DeYoung here on the Countdown Show. I want to remind you that uh, you can really gear yourself up for the 2021 season with a subscription to Cardinals Magazine. It's your premier source for Cardinals coverage in season and out. You can sign up at cardinals.com slash magazine, or you can call 314-345-9000. Stick around. We're going to hear from Cardinals hitting coach Jeff Albert next up here on the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day Show, presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. This is the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day Show, presented by Amron on KMOX. All right, we're back in on the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day Show, presented by Amron here on the Cardinals Radio Network. Mike Claiborne, Kevin Wheeler with you. And happy to be joined by the Cardinals hitting coach, Jeff Albert, who is joining us. Uh, I, I know, Jeff, first of all, thanks for doing this because I know for everyone who's in big league camp at this time of year, things are really busy. We appreciate you making some time for us. How are you doing down there? Oh, I'm doing great. It's good to be back here in Florida. Baseball fans in the stands. Um, yeah, it's, it's good, to, good to get back with everybody. Hey, Jeff, there's, there's so many things that have changed since last year when we broke camp from here. And for you, how have you tried to manage fewer bats for your guys, especially with six less games on the schedule down here in the spring. And, and there's some guys who need a few more swings than others. So how do you try and manage that where they get those opportunities to get sharp? Well, yeah, I mean, the first thing is communication. I mean, among the staff and, um, you know, we've had, obviously you have the games that we've got started already, but, um, you know, we've had a few live BPs before those started. Uh, the off day yesterday where we didn't play, we had, um, you know, sim game, live ABs, and then um, depending on how guys are feeling and the amount of at-bats they're getting, you can kind of adjust uh, the number of at-bats guys are getting. So, um, you know, guys are getting their timing and starting to get locked in. You know, uh, Mike Schilt talked yesterday, uh, Jeff, about the idea of process and results, and obviously they both matter because you're judged by results, but obviously you need a process to get to that point. As you guys work through that in the spring, uh, how how individualized does that become when you're when you're talking about maybe comparing one hitter to another or one one group of hitters to another group of hitters? Um, that's a great point that you mentioned on the kind of comparing, which I'll kind of talk about in a second. But I mean, um, it's it's 
you have the group, you have the team, kind of what we're doing and kind of what we look at for our team offense. And then definitely every hitter um, has kind of what they're working on. Maybe it's something with their swing, their approach, their strikes on whatever the case is. So each guy has their own individual deal, their own program um, coming in that fits within the team offense. Uh, so we look at both of those things, both collectively and individually. And then, um, you know, you, like you said, you're looking at the, the group and what we're doing. But especially last year, I think we talked about this a lot more um, to take in. You, basically, because we only played the central, right? Like you didn't play right. the whole league. And so your environment changes a little bit and you look a little bit more specifically at your environment and who you're facing. Um, so comparing yourself to teams maybe in the Western Division and Eastern Division um, wasn't quite the same scenario last year. So that was kind of interesting to pay attention to that. And then, um, you know, I'm very familiar with Roger Dean Stadium from my days in the Florida State League. And, you know, we hit the ball really well today that didn't carry and got knocked down by the wind. So we're definitely, you know, uh, you know, in, in an environment that's a little tougher on hitters here. But um, that's where it's super helpful and value, valuable to be able to separate um, you know, what a guy's doing in the strike zone, what the quality of contact, things like that. So you're not just um, swayed too far in one direction or another based on a, an outcome. Yeah, that's a great point you make about Roger Dean. And there's some balls that we can see hit here that are going to be home runs and who knows whatever in, in other ballparks around the country. Yep. But I, I watched Bader the last couple of days and his at-bats. And he grounded out today. Yep. But that's a ball that you take any day of the week. How do you talk to a guy at that point where you say, "Hey, look, don't worry about the out, but look where you look what you did. Look where you put the ball. Look where the location was, and look how you kept your hands back and did what you're looking to do on a regular basis." Is that how you try and remind guys, "Hey, you know, your swing is right. Don't worry about the result." Yeah, I mean, I think that's um, pretty consistent all the time, not just spring training or especially early in spring training, but um, you know, for most guys just getting good pitches to hit and putting the barrel on it and getting their timing down early in spring training is a real big thing. So, you know, we're facing Pablo Lopez, for example, today, and, and guys kind of have an understanding, pattern court game plan based on what he's doing. And just to see a guy, like in particular, like Bader, like you're talking about, go up and execute his plan exactly he wanted, get his pitch in the zone, um, barrel it hard, you know, through the middle of the field like he did. Um, he happened to be a ground ball, but I think he hit it like 101, 102, squared it up, right pitch, right plan, you know, executed his plan. So seeing guys do that, um, you know, is, a, is positive early on. Hey, you know, to follow up on that, when you have a new player, and we'll use Arnado as an example, how, how mm -hmm. do you guys con connect? Uh, you pick his brain, he picks your brain about his approach to make sure you guys are on the same page because obviously he was doing something in another organization how do you yep. try and connect with him in that situation? Um, I mean, when that happens right away, like the, the trade and all that stuff uh, becomes official and connect by phone and kind of trading messages, video, thoughts, ideas, all that from the very beginning. So, um, you know, he's been super amazing about uh, the communication, make a transition. This is what I do. This is how I do it. And, um, you know, so the communication aspect of that has been great from the beginning and then actually being able to kind of get in the cage um, hey, this is my routine. This is kind of what I work on. And you get guys, um, not just myself and him, but the rest of the coaches, uh, Joe Bell, Pack, the other hitting coaches, um, and then the players. And you kind of get that group conversation going um, and, and just start that process of really getting to know somebody. Jeff, I, you know, this is pretty much a basic question here, but I, I think it's important because sometimes I do think there's 
um, a, a gap, I think, in, in understanding kind of the role of a hitting instructor at the major league level. Mm-hmm. You know, we all we all flash back to our, our high school days, right? When your coach grabs you and says, "Here, we're going to go fix this <laughs> because this is what's wrong with you, and this is what you need to do better." And I just wanted you to describe for a second, a little bit, uh, you know, how different that is at the major league level and how it's kind of a cooperative effort as opposed to coach dictating terms to player. Yeah, I mean, I. I would, first of all, like, like guys in the big leagues, they're amazing athletes, right? They don't need to be six. They're not broken. Um, <laughs> every, everybody, but everybody at their high skill level, all that kind of stuff. But uh, almost everybody still has maybe something they're working on, something they need to improve. I think it's really easy to get caught up in that in a negative way. So sometimes you're trying to remind guys like what makes them a major leaguer and what they're really good at and trying to play and execute their strengths in the game as much as possible. Um, I think this group has a pretty good blend of that. This group's very driven to, um, you know, identify areas of improvement and go after that. Shilti talks a lot about that, being the best at getting better. Um, so, you know, I think we have a really amazing group about that, that is just not, um, I think if you're, if you're coaching, I, I don't want to say at any level, but I feel like in my position, if you're trying to take that singular mindset of like, you're going to go around fixing everybody, um, that's kind of a, tends to be a more limited way to think of it versus like uh, getting everybody involved in the conversation because you never know where that uh, kind of piece of information or whatever is going to come from. Um, so usually if we're talking about the right things, thinking about the right things, it's much more of a group uh, collective effort and um, basically just trying to like set players up, make sure they have the right information and the right tools to, to do their job and do what they need to do. Kind of how I look at it. Cardinal hitting instructor Jeff Albert is our guest. And Jeff, final question for me. Um, A lot of times we see guys when they struggle, it's not that the pitcher might be that good. It's the fact that he's allowing the pitcher to, he's getting himself out more than the pitcher is. Mm -hmm. How do you try and remind guys to stay within that zone? And if he gets you with a good pitch that maybe this bites the corner, so be it. You tip your cap yep. to him. You know, they pay that guy a lot of money to do his job <laughs> as well. So for yeah. you, how do you try and maintain that that stance of reminding guys, you know, he's going to get you out from time to time. Don't, just don't get yourself out. Um, I mean, yeah, but like two things. Like there's actually a lot of information on that in the major leagues. It's not literally simple. But, I mean, offensively, if you can get production in more or less the middle of the strike zone, you're in really good shape. And if a pitcher is staying out of the middle of the strike zone, obviously that's going to make things a lot harder. So you can look at kind of what we're doing, where we're swinging, and if we're getting production, where we're supposed to be getting production, first of all. Um, and then secondly, just like conversations with the players about where their mindset is, keep their focus and attention in the right place. And, um, I mean, I touched on it a second ago, just kind of reminding players like, hey, this is your strength. And, mm-hmm. you know, you can see sometimes like this might be a pitcher that you can – play to your strengths. This might be a pitcher that that's doing something that's kind of not in your strength. And you might have to think about an adjustment or, or doing something like that, depending on the matchup. Um, but you know, the, there's some, there's going to be some information about kind of what you're swinging at and what you're doing. There's going to be a conversation about where your focus is. Uh, and there's also going to be a, a conversation about, you know, what we think is the best way to approach the, the given matchup. Jeff, last thing for you. I saw a little bit ago um, a, a report that 
the the video is coming back to the dugout this year. I know that was a big topic of conversation last year. Yeah. And, you know, they closed the video room, which obviously for some guys is a big deal and other guys maybe not as much. And I know that's kind of the, into the individualistic thing we were talking about a minute ago. But I'm assuming you've got a lot of guys that are pretty happy about that. Yeah, I think some guys are, you know, used to going back and looking at their swings or looking at where um, pitches are. I mean, there might be some individuals that, that kind of might be different. I honestly didn't really feel like that much of a difference in the dugout on it last year. I felt like actually that made us focus in a little bit more on, you know, our pregame and our, like our scouting, of course, and what we're doing there. So hopefully it comes back to be a good combo where, um, you know, we're locked in with our plan or approach and what we're doing. And then if we need to go double check something like, you know, the pitches doing this or that or something in the swing, um, yeah, definitely the video, maybe I know for me, it's helpful if you, you think you see something and then you can go double check and, uh-huh. and confirm it. And then, um, you know, sometimes players are able to make adjustment in the game based on kind of what they see and what they feel. So using the video to get that kind of confirmation is always a nice tool to have. Jeff, we thank you for doing this and making time. I know the the life of a hitting coach is busy, especially in spring training. You probably have somebody standing behind you right now waiting for you to go through a flip or something. <laughs> <laughs> so we thank um, you for spending some time with us. <laughs> we appreciate yeah. you making it up, making it happen, and uh, good luck with everything, man. Hope you guys all stay healthy and get some go- get thing get things rolling here early on in the season when we get going in a month. All right, no problem. Thanks, guys. And again, many thanks to Cardinals hitting coach Jeff Albert for joining us here on the Countdown Show. I want to remind you this. You can download the MLB app to get in-game video highlights, live pitch-by-pitch, breaking news, player updates, stat leaderboards, and more. All of that for your St. Louis Cardinals and the rest of Major League Baseball as well. Stick around. We're going to hear a little bit more about the, God, it's hard to believe, the 10th anniversary of the 2011 World Series Championship. Get some more from the Cardinals' virtual winter warm-up that we haven't had a chance to get to yet. That's next up here on the Cardinals' Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. This is the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron on KMOX. We continue with the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron here on the Cardinals Radio Network. Mike Claiborne, Kevin Wheeler with you here. Not many more countdowns to go as we get closer and closer to opening day. And, you know, this is a big year for for Cardinals fans. I mean, we're at the 10-year anniversary of the 2011 World Series team. I know we've brought some of the kind of important portions of that uh, to you here on the Countdown Show since the Cardinals' virtual winter warm-up, but there's still some that we haven't been able to get to, and it's just such fantastic stuff. So I want you guys to get a little bit of a listen on that. This will get you warmed up even a little bit more uh, for spring training as we start to think about a potential contending team with the 2021 team. So this part of the panel uh, includes Dan McLaughlin, of course, moderating it, David Fries, Lance Berkman, Jason Mott, Kyle McClellan, Alan Craig, and Ryan Terrio, who starts off here talking a bit about how he used to view the Cardinals before he was a Cardinal back when he was with the Cubs. Yeah, you have great perspective on this with, you know, being in the Central with the Cubs and the Cardinals. You come over to St. Louis and you win the World Series. From your perspective, what was 2011 like for you? I mean, look, from the outside looking in, always there was an, an envy that you had from the St. Louis Cardinals. I mean, you you wondered, you wondered how they, they were always – so prepared for every game. So coming over, man, it was just a pleasure to be around Tony and the guys and to see how it played out. But man, going into that season, there was just a feeling in spring training. It was different. Um, I don't know if it was because the Cubs stunk and we were just used to losing or the Cardinals just had a really good team that year. But um, 
you know, the expectation for me, you know, is probably the biggest difference. It, it seemed from day one all the way through, you know, you you were just expected to win. And and I, I kind of heard Lance allude to it earlier, and he's just and he's right. I mean, the, everybody had fun, um, but you went to the ballpark not questioning whether you were going to win or not. You just wondering who was going to be the hero that day. And um, it's something that I, I didn't experience after that in 2012. Although, although we won it in, in 12, it was different, man. That 11 team, um, yeah, there's a different feel to it for sure. No doubt. Good to see you, by the way. Thanks for doing this. Let's go back to Lance. You, you mentioned, Ryan, uh, Tony LaRussa. And Lance, you had a unique perspective of going back and forth with Tony all those years with the Astros. Then you joined the Cardinals. What what was it like playing for Tony LaRussa and, and seeing him go out a champion, at least for that year? Now he's with the White Sox. But what, what was it like playing for Tony for you from your perspective? Oh, it was great. I mean, when I, when we were playing against him, I wanted to fist fight him, you know, in the parking lot with the sunglasses at night over there, you know, and you think this guy, I don't, I don't even know what this, what a sked he's got going, but you know, when you, when you get with him and you're on his team, then it's, it's a totally different deal. And, and I mean, he's, he's the, my favorite guy that I ever played for. I learned a ton just from playing uh, under him and just the intensity that he brings to every game. And one thing about Tony you know, a lot of the stuff people from the outside looking in don't understand. He's, you know, he's really doing everything he can to win a game that night. I mean, that's how he manages. It's not about, hey, we're, you know, we're looking down the road. Like, we're trying to win tonight, and we're going to do everything we can do. And the moves that he made and the, and the you know, personnel decisions and whatnot, it all is geared towards winning that night. And uh, so I think, you know, he's not, he's not trying to demonstrate his baseball acumen when he's managing. He's truly doing that because he thinks it gives us the best chance to win. And uh, so I have a tremendous appreciation for Tony. Glad to see he's back in the dugout, um, you know, because he's the best. I mean, I just uh, – you know, being a veteran guy too, he kind of didn't mess with me. Some of you younger guys may have a different perspective. But, you know, as long as you play hard and, uh, you know, you come, come prepared to play, you're never going to have a problem with him. Let's go back to that elimination game, the famous game six, and you're a big part of it too. What was that like when you're down to your final strike with two outs, trailing in the game, facing elimination, and how do you slow the game down? And were you able to do that? Clearly you got the hit, but your mindset, do you slow it down? How do you approach those kind of situations? Well, prayer mainly, but the <laughs> the biggest thing about hitting in the big leagues, I always tell guys, if you can't hit in the fetal position, then then you can't play in the big leagues because there's, there's <laughs> you know a lot of times where the the situation's huge, you know, and you're and it's you're in the grease and you got to do it. But I'm not that that's kind of a joke, but I'm not joking about the prayer part of it because I had prayed specifically, knowing I was the guy hitting behind Albert, and after he hit three homers in Game Three they quit pitching to him and you knew they were just, you know, they were, they weren't going to let him win any more games. And so I knew that hitting behind him at some point, I was going to have a big at bat. So I'd been praying the whole series, like, Lord, just, you know, if I get an opportunity to, to compete uh, at, in a spot like that, don't let it be too big for me. Just let me be able to relax. Let me be able to, to concentrate. And uh, I was super nervous, obviously in the on deck circle, watching the thing develop in front of me. Uh, but when I stepped in the batter's box, I was just, you know, calm and, and my concentration was as high as it's ever been, uh, ever in my life. So, uh, there's no doubt in my mind that, uh, the answer to your question is, is prayer. I think this is the freeze tripled and you were at first base if memory serves correct. Did you think this was gone? I did. Yeah. When he hit it, I thought it was a Homer, but I figured I better run hard just in case. 
and people get on, you know, they, they're, they talk about, Oh, you know, Nelson Cruz should have been playing deeper and what's Wash doing. He's not having him uh, deep enough, but that ball was an absolute missile. And if you time it off the bat, it took about two seconds to hit the top of the wall. And I thought it was going to be a Homer. So, I mean, I, he would have had to have been standing on the wall to, to have had a chance to catch that ball. Uh, it was just, you know, it's, it's what it was. It was not a very good pitch, you know, fastball out over and freezer didn't miss it. David, take me to that at bat. Um, you had seen a pretty good fastball earlier in the, in the, uh, at bat. What do you see right here? Yeah, I, t- I think I took a slider for a pretty good slider for a ball first pitch. Um, and I, after that pitch, I was like, okay, you know, I never faced Feliz before. Um, <laughs> But when I took that first slider and kind of stayed balanced, it gave me some confidence. Um, but Lance alluded to it, um, you know, the preparation. And then when you're in the middle of an at-bat and you're kind of like checking your focus and you're like, whoa, I am, I'm there, you know, and there's nothing else going on except for these one to seven pitches you're going to see. Um, that's a comfortable feeling because 100 looks 90. You're, you know, you're always in position to hit. But uh, I was just seeing the baseball. And I remember kind of before that at-bat, you know, kind of just thinking about Feliz. And I remember just telling myself, like, if I'm going to get out, get out because I I got out. Like, don't let it be any other reason. Like, keep it simple. Get locked in and just put together a good at-bat. And when when he threw that heater away and I waved through it, Man, it was just kind of a blessing he threw it again. Um, I think I I prided myself on a – you watch big league hitters, and the best in the game, when they see the same pitch twice, that's not good for the pitcher. And, you know, I think just seeing that pitch earlier in the at-bat, just whether it's subconsciously or not, just helps you out. Um, You know, you just get ready for it. But, you know, I I whacked that ball, and, you know, good good thing it went deep enough. No doubt. Did you think it was gone at first? Um, I thought seven things within that 90 feet, but when I hit it, I, cause, you know, I kind of have hit, you know, we're at home. So I can, you can kind of feel out your home field and I hit a n- number of balls, you know, to right field or whatever. But when I hit it, I was like, Oh man, that thing might go. And then you run 30 feet and you're like, Oh no, that's caught. And then, uh, you know, I told this um, before, but you know, I lost sight of it. You know, I lost track of it when it was coming down, but then you hear the crowd um see Lance scooting around and you know the game's tied I I gotta ask you uh Jason what's it like doing what so many kids would love to do and close out a world series to be on the mound for the final out can you take us back to warming up in the bullpen or just your mindset out there game six was so crazy but game seven not to say it wasn't crazy I mean you're still three outs away but what was that like for you to close out a world series uh, you know, for, for me, honestly, like when I came out of the bullpen game seven, uh, I feel like it was one of the first times that I like kind of took everything in. Uh, I feel like everything was just like such like go, 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 go. Uh, and game six was so crazy. I feel like I actually took time after it to be like, wow, that was pretty crazy. And we're, we're here. Um, and I was going up in the bullpen game seven, just like normal, uh, walked down the ramp and kind of just remember like looking around, um, and just honestly thinking like, man, like this is pretty cool. Um, and you know, right here, you know, this pitch, I was just going out there. Um, I tried to keep things, uh, you know, pretty simple. Um, you know, I didn't have that nastiest stuff, you know, so I tried to go out there and keep it simple, worry about one pitch at a time and execute that pitch, whatever it was. Uh, and I was able to execute the pitch. Crager caught it, came running in, uh, you know, ended up on the bottom of a dog pile and, uh, thought I broke my thumb. So, 
you know, other than that, it was, uh, it was, it was, it was pretty cool. It's an amazing scene right there. Albert Pujols <laughs> and Raphael for Do you guys happy flight? I mean, we, we happy flight, <laughs> Ryan Terrio. Do you remember happy flight? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, you wanted to win so bad, not because you wanted to win the game so much as you wanted to hear all those guys screaming happy flight, like a bunch of morons, dude. I mean, it was, you, golly. that was, that was irritating. I almost oh, gosh. To so I wouldn't have to listen to it. You try to lose Dotel screaming happy flight and for calls, losing all his money in the card games. It was great. I mean, I loved it. I won a Camry. Uh, one time on the plane after one of those happy flights. It was awesome. Wait a minute. You want a Camry? Well, the equivalent of a Camry. All you had to do was get them screaming happy flight for a little while, and they stayed on Blu-ray every time. It was perfect. And again, what a great segment there from the Cardinals virtual winter warm-up, uh, a bunch of the members of the 2011 World Series team. All right, I want to remind you about this, and I know we do every week, but it's important for you to take note. The Cardinals Kids Club, presented by Rawlings, is the exclusive fan club for kids 13 and under. Membership includes access to virtual events uh, and items like, like a fleece blanket and a wall sign, and it's all for just $33. You can join at cardinals.com slash kids club. Stick around. We're going to come back and wrap up the show and give away another 2021 Cardinals calendar. Next up, it's the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day Show, presented by Amron here on the Cardinals Radio Network. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. 